Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. Country Wine and Spirits is San Diego's premier wine and spirits purveyor. They offer unmatched beverage service with competitive pricing and a tradition of upscale service. They provide fine wines, a variety of liquors, spirits, craft and imported beers, imported cigars, and exotic tobacco accessories. Country Wine and Spirits is now available online, and if you use cwspirits.com slash heybartender, you get 5% off your entire order. That's right, 5% off your entire order. Go to cwspirits.com slash heybartender and find your favorite spirit or wine today and get 5% off just by using cwspirits.com slash heybartender. Hey everyone, my name's Stephen Page from Bar TCA in San Francisco, and thank you for listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. Hey Bartender, pass me a drink, a reason that I'm here, because I need time to think. I won't keep you from your family too long, I'm assuming that you're hiding from your family right now. <laughs> I am, I am, I'm in the car. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Page, welcome to Hey Bartender Podcast. How you doing today? Good, Anthony. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, it's uh, great having you on here. I've been uh, looking at all your drinks on Instagram. You have some great presentation, and you look like you were a really cool guy to, uh, that I wanted to talk to. So here you are. Thank you for uh, thank you for answering my messages. Oh, thank you for inviting me. So uh, let's start off. Where are you from? I am originally from Honduras in Central America, oh. and um, I've been, since I was a little boy, I've been living between the U.S. and Honduras, and then I'm finally uh, 10 years of being in California, San Francisco. San Francisco, nice. I've, I've visited there once, a uh, really beautiful city. This was back in, like, 1992, well, when I was there yeah. last, so, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. but it is a very beautiful city. So... As you know, uh, as my, my listeners know, and I warned you about this beforehand, I like to start off with every show with a drink special. Now, uh, okay. what kind of drink special have you brought for us today? So, you know, working in the industry, you start, you know, obviously as a barback, you start just pouring beers, you know, eventually a shot here and there that they'll allow you to pour. And then now, um, you know, I move on to trying to, you know, make up my own drinks and create my own recipes. Uh, so, you know, playing around at the home bar, um, I came up with a drink, Mezcal, which is, uh, going uh, really big right now in San Francisco, um, in the communities we find, uh, you can find a lot of, uh, Mezcal bars and Mezcal places. So I figure, you know, this is trending right now. Why not create something with Mezcal? So I created a drink and I also incorporated, you know, one of the, you know, the regular spirits that you find in every bar, like April. So I named it. Uh, Las Teco, uh, for combining uh, Italian with Mexican culture. Kind La, of. What? Las Teco. So it's uh, L apostrophe A-C-T-E-C-O. That's how you spell it. Mm. And it means uh, pretty much the Aztec uh, and just in Italian. Oh, okay, cool. How do you make it? So you shake everything. Uh, you put one ounce of mezcal, half ounce of Montenegro Amaro, half ounce of April, uh, half ounce of lemon juice, and then you do just a quarter of simple syrup just to give it that little sweetness in there. Mm. And then you shake it, served up with a little uh, lemon peel twist. Yes. Uh, so what kind, of, uh, what kind of flavor is it? So, um, you know, the April it's smoky, obviously, uh, for the mezcal. And the, and the April will give them that little bitterness, and it'll have that orangey, that... Um, uh, Aperol in half, and then the amato the amato gives it that bitterness that you got to balance out with the uh, simple syrup. Mm. So it's you know it's a smoky drink, uh, citrusy, fruity drink, um, but really well balanced and really like smoky to give it that texture. Okay, cool. 
But as usual, I like to tell my listeners, if you go ahead and try that in your bar, please let me know. Do it at heybartenderpodcast.com, or you can contact Stephen. We'll give you his information towards the end of the show. Absolutely. Because I, uh, I, I love it when to try to get feedback from people and uh, uh, with these unique drinks that uh, my guests bring onto the show. So, yeah, uh, you mentioned Mascal, or Mescal becoming more popular. Mm-hmm. I uh, Somebody told me just recently that it's becoming really popular because the agave harvest was mm-hmm. really bad this year after the pandemic and all of, all of the, uh, you know, none of it was harvested this year. So, right. uh, uh, mezcal has become more and more popular. Plus I think it's, uh, legal to make in the United States. You can't make tequila in the United States, I think. Correct. Uh, so in order for you to call the spirit, um, tequila, it has to come from specifically blue agave. Mm. Uh, that's the type of agave that you use. It's called blue. And um, it has to be from tequila in Jalisco, Mexico. So the the mezcal, you know, it became more uh, made in Oaxaca, which is uh, a region in Mexico's uh, southern states, really close to uh, Central America. And then, like you said, mezcal is allowed to be made outside um, Mexico, specifically Jalisco. So, yes, you can produce it here in the U.S. as well. Yeah, uh, a lot of people are, have been talking about it lately, uh, bringing it up. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you have a lot of inf- uh, a lot of information in your head about tequila and mezcal and all that stuff, or is that that just information that you? I'm a big, I'm a big tequila drinker, man. So ah. <laughs> I think I think I know my fair share. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, I, I appreciate that information. So, um, anyway, more about you. Uh, yeah. Let's start at the beginning. Um, we're going to go back just to your first days in the service industry. How long have you been okay. working in the service industry? So uh, if you want to call service industry just bars and restaurants, uh, it's been probably like almost 10 years. Um, but my parents, uh, back when I was a kid, they had a catering business as well. So well, that you counts. can say, you know, I've been around. Yeah you know, all my life pretty much. Yeah. I've, I've had a number of uh, guests on my show who started out working for their parents in their catering business or whatnot. And yeah, that counts. You learn a lot about customer service when you do that sort of thing. Uh, especially yes. when you're, no, hang- you, yeah, you really do. Uh, especially when you're hanging with your parents. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> so, uh, did you, um, so your parents ran a, their own catering business and you, uh, you helped out. Correct. Correct. So, so what we, uh, what my parents did, uh, they provided catering services for big companies like Hanes and Fruit of the Looms and the, the factories. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so, so you know, at a time, we we used to have several contracts, so we were catering to thousands of people, man, like, you know, 2,000 people a day, <laughs> uh, some, sometimes even more, depending on, you know, how many contracts were, were going on at the time. That's, uh, that sounds insanely busy. Was the uh, Was the company pretty large? Uh, yeah, we, we had a, a big, big company. Uh, this was mostly, like I said, I'm from Honduras, so it was mostly out there, you know, in the factories uh, oh, over in Honduras. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking in the United States, but yeah, Honduras, yeah, that that makes more sense now. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> were, uh, what, were there any big learning experiences while you were doing that? How old were you when you were doing that? Uh, well, I was probably uh, 15, ah. 14, 15, you know, working with them, uh, 16. Um then obviously, you know, I had to, I, I, I used to do it in the summer, uh, when I was in, you know, my summer break from school and stuff, um, I would go over and help out. No, uh, during, during the year, they tell you to concentrate on your studies and yeah, then correct. on the, during the summertime, get your ass to work. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how it went. <laughs> well, I like, <laughs> I usually, uh, love to hear that just because it builds up a great work ethic for, uh, for their children as they grow up and, uh, you know, and family, it's always important. Uh, I'm a big believer in that. It's not just because I watched Fast and the Furious. You know, family is right, uh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> always important. You got to be there to help out. Correct. So, any big lessons that you learned while you were doing that? I mean, you know, working with families kind of hard sometimes. Uh, dealing with customers uh, is difficult in a catering situation because you've got all those people coming at you all at once. Do you have any hard lessons that you learned while doing that? You know, it was mostly like handling the stress. Uh, I think that really helps. And uh, you really need to learn how to control that, manage that. Because uh, when you're you're either in a busy bar, um, 
and you, you know, you're always going to find that one obnoxious uh, customer that's going to come in and you got to handle that. That can get stressful. So I think um, working in that uh, at an early age uh, did help, you know, controlling that and, you know, not feeling the pressure of just seeing a lot of people coming in all at once, like you were saying. So that does build character, Yeah. you know, but at the same time, I was only 15 years old, so I, I was not caring too much at that age. Oh, <laughs> well, like all of us, we were a little hot-headed when we were teenagers. So, right. was that the case for you? I, I, I can say, yeah, I live. I live. <laughs> <laughs> and did you did you have, uh, get disciplined by your parents when when you accidentally said the wrong thing to a customer or something? Oh no, of course, of course. You know, uh, yeah, no, I got I got scolded a few times. Yeah. Uh, you know, when talking back to them, it you know they were always saying, you know, customers. Um, they're usually, usually right. That's what they would say. Um, and if not, you got to deal with it and just move, move along. You're right. So did you have the opportunity or did you want to continue the family business at any point in time or? No, well, no, actually not. So when I, uh, when I, you know, finally moved, um, and I went to college, I was like, I don't want to do any, any, um, service industry at all. Mm. Uh, so I moved and I came, um, to Texas. Uh, so I went, uh, um, Austin, I lived in Austin for a little, I went to ACC and I decided I wanted to do criminal justice. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah. So I did, you know, I went completely off track there. So, so that's, that's my time in Texas. I lived there. Then I moved actually back to Honduras for like a year. Um, after college and same thing i was you know i don't want to i don't want to do service industry i don't want to you know do this and um my older sister had a um another business of her own um in textile so i decided instead of helping them i went and worked for my sister uh yeah so i was you know for that spell of time i was like completely out of service ah uh. Work, working in textiles, that had to have been a lot rougher than doing catering. Completely different. Yeah. <laughs> Completely different. Like, I I honestly took, you know, took the job without having no knowledge whatsoever of import, export, and all that stuff, you know. It's, uh, but I was like, I'll wing it. Yeah. Well, that's basically how we all do. Uh, anybody does any job, you wing it. And, you know, so these right. people that have four-year degrees even that uh, – they think that going to college, okay, now I'm ready for the real world. And then they get to their first job that maybe has something to do with their degree and they're faking it to make it just like everybody else. <laughs> Correct. But you're moving back to Honduras. You're, uh, mm-hmm. you can work in textiles and you got a, uh, did you get your degree in criminal justice? I did, uh, my associates or associates. Um, yes. And did you ever, were you able to ever use that or was that just something? So I did not use it till, um, the pandemic actually. Oh really? Uh, yeah. So, you know, since I moved to San Francisco, I started working in the service industry, but then pandemic hit, I went on, um, on unemployment for the first six months of the pandemic. And I was thinking, you know, this is not going to last. Right, or they're gonna put us in quarantine for like a month, and then we're gonna go back. Six months later, I was desperate at home, and I was like, you know what? Like, I need to get out of the house and find something to do. Um, so I went into security. Oh. Um, and I, yes. So I went into security, and I got a contract at the VA hospital. Um, it was a private company, but uh, you know, we worked closely to the federal police at the VA hospital. Oh, okay. Well, at least mm-hmm. that degree was sitting there uh, waiting for you to use and gave you a little bit of clout in order to get a job during the pandemic when the restaurant industry was completely shut down. Completely. What made you decide to, after working in textiles, uh, uh, what made you decide to move to San Francisco? So I had a, I had family um, over here in San Francisco and, you know, one vacation. Uh, I came over and I literally fell in love with the city. Yeah. Um, so I went back. Uh, to Honduras for probably maybe like a month. Uh, and this was at the time, um, it was during the holidays. Uh, so I spent the holidays in Honduras and then I, you know, I just told my family, I'm like, you know what? I want to go try in San Francisco and see, uh, see how this works. 
Now, I'm just curious. Uh, mm-hmm. t- tell me a little bit about Honduras, because basically all I know about Honduras is pretty mm-hmm. good, pretty good tobacco. Uh, <laughs> right. Yes. That's basically all uh, I know. Yeah. Uh, tell me yeah, a little bit no, about 100%. Honduras. Uh, so, you know, Honduras is a um, Central American country. It's surrounded by um, uh, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Nicaragua. You know, the situation down there, it's not, it's, it's gotten a little complicated um, when it comes to, uh, you know, being a safe place. Um, there's a lot of uh, drug movement because uh, mm. Honduras has, it's, that's the strategic of an area. So it, it's got it tough, you know, but at the same time, I, I love the country. It's, you know, the country is where I was born. Yeah. Um, and we have great food, great culture, great, trust me, great uh, beach. Uh, we have this beautiful islands of the coast in the Caribbean um, that are just amazing, man. So um, it's unfortunate that, you know, politics and then um, all the gangs and drugs can, you know, make a, such a beautiful country become so unsafe. Um, but, you know, I would support... I always try to get people, you know, whenever I have friends asking me about it, I always tell them, you should go. You definitely should go. It's gotten a little better now. Uh, of course, you know, I'm talking from where uh, my point of view when I moved out of there was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I still have my most of my family are still out there. So it, it, it really is a beautiful place. And I'm about, I'm going to talk to you uh, about, uh, um, I can't call it a, a spirit because it's really not a spirit, but we have some, I don't even know how to, you just, you, are you familiar with Fernet? Not really, no. No, uh, well, let's see, let, let me think about another one. Maybe the, maybe the bitters tomorrow section of the bar uh, where you have these liquors that have 50 ingredients, mm. right? Um in Honduras, we have something similar, and uh, it comes from the uh, Garifuna community, which is pretty much the Africans that came and you know settled in the in the coast of Honduras. Um, they have this spirit called Gifiti. Okay. Uh, don't ask me what they put in there, man, because <laughs> I really have no idea. I know the base spirit is rum. You see that bottle, and it's full of like you can tell the roots. Uh, the one thing that I could identify was um, it was pepper, um, but you know, like the actual full size pepper, oh, not the pepperoncini rounded or, or anything. Yeah, that's the only thing that I, that I was like, okay, that's that's got to be pepper, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's 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 great. It's bitter, you know. And you talk to them, and they'll tell you, oh, it, it cures cancer and it cures uh, all <laughs> kinds of disease, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's Giffy. So I know, you know, I've told a few of my my friends about the podcast, so I know they'll be happy that I'm talk, actually talking about Giffy right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's a new one for me. I've never heard of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to look into that, so, uh, see if that's available. I don't think it's available in the states, but uh... no, <laughs> you can you can uh, you can get it imported. Yeah. Um, you can find it. That's a little bit more commercialized. Yeah, Giffy, like the actual thing, they sell it on the side of the streets, and uh, and you know, it's, they what, just put it in whatever bottle they can find. And people brew it in their own home or something, or oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not. It's not even the ones that you can import. It's not made by a company. It's made by these people in their communities, and they, you know, they have the uh, all the sanitation labels and stuff <laughs> for people to, you know, like actually bring it into the U.S. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Yeah. But, I, I met one guy from Honduras years ago and uh he a uh, really really friendly guy but one day I came up to him and asked him you know he would share various stories about Honduras and one day I finally asked him uh what's uh what's the tobacco like out there and he goes uh I'm biased but the only tobacco better is Cuban uh and I was like well, next time you go back there, bring me back one or two. And he was just like, I'd be happy to. And he, you know, he brought back a box, shared it with everybody. But, uh, but that, uh, that spirit you were talking about, I, I can't think of, uh, how'd you pronounce that again? So it's called Giffy. 
And it's spelled G-I-F-I-C-Y. Okay. Uh, uh, I, he hadn't talked about that. Of course, we didn't talk about liquor because uh, he didn't drink. Uh, he uh, was mm-hmm. under promises from his wife that he wouldn't drink while he was traveling uh, traveling around the United States. But right. uh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I like to hear about local stuff like that. Uh, so – uh, moving on, so you uh, all of a sudden decided one day that you wanted to move to San Francisco. Did you receive any uh, flack from your family about it, or were they all for it? Oh, no, they were they were all for it. And uh, like I said, my uh, I have family here, so you know, like actual close family. My uh, dad's youngest sister lives here in San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, so I moved and I came to live with her and her boyfriend. Um, and it was actually through them that I, you know, met this guy that actually gave me a job back into the service industry. Did you fight that a little bit uh, at first? or were You know you what, no. Like me, desperate for a job. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I, I honestly came and I was like open-minded to, you know, whatever mm. here in San Francisco. Um, so they, it was, it was actually a, a, a really funny interview because um, I knew the guy knew my family really close. And he was, you know, he gave me an interview out of a, I'm guessing a favor, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, for, for, for my cousins. And, um, you know, I came to this interview, I was young. I was, um, uh, probably 20 or 21, like around. Yeah. And then I, you know, we sat, he had this, um, this, uh, coffee shop. They started as a coffee shop and moved into a restaurant. Uh, so I'm sitting at this little bar that he had. Um, there was, he didn't have any liquor license at the moment. He had only beer and wine and it was mostly coffees that he was serving. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I sat down and he started interviewing me and he's like, um, so, you know, we're a coffee shop. Uh, you know how to make coffees? I'm like, I know how to brew coffee. Like, he's like, you know how to make a latte? I'm like, yeah, give me a Mr. Coffee, like, I'm good to go. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he was like, do you know what a mocha is? I'm like, nope. And uh, last thing, he just looked at me, looked at my cousin that was sitting next to me. And that's where I could tell, like, this guy's going to give me a job out of out of a favor right now. He <laughs> was like, you know you're going to have to take out the trash, right? And I'm like, I'm down for it. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was like, all right, I'll see you next week. <laughs> but he, trust me, he was like, oh, "This guy's not gonna last." <laughs> so, it, what was was it a, a bar and barista or no? Yeah, yeah. So I started, you know, I started being a barista oh. in the service industry here in San Francisco. Um, so back then, he used to own um, three places. Um, so his main one was in this um, area of San Francisco called the Mission District. Mm-hmm. Uh, which has a very big uh, Latino community. Um, his parents are from Nicaragua. Um, he was born here in San Francisco. And um, his place is called Café La Taza, mm-hmm. uh, which means uh, uh, pretty much a coffee mug. La Taza means coffee mug. Ah, okay. um, so, you know, like I said, they started out as a coffee shop. And, you know, slowly throughout the years, that business has been there for uh, since... 93, 94, 93. Um, and then eventually, you know, he moved into restaurants and then he opened one in um, the Castro district of San Francisco. Um, and that one was more of a restaurant. So that's where he actually had me. And I started just doing coffees there. Oh, okay. Oh, so, um, so you started out as a barista in San Francisco before you're moving on to other stuff. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, the Mission District and all that stuff, I I had only heard about when I the t- one time that I visited San Francisco, San Francisco, I only made it as far as Pier 39. But mm-hmm. uh uh so you work for, uh, how long did you work as a barista? Uh I think I only did it uh probably for like a year. So, uh, you know, while I was doing that, um my aunt, she was like, "Steven, um you know, you should probably try and get into uh and get into bartending." Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I know I knew how to drink, but I didn't know how to make drinks. Yeah. <laughs> so she was, uh, she told me, you know, I'm going to pay for, uh, um, a bartending course. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So she actually paid for my bartending school, uh, which I have a funny story about that. Um, but you know, I went into the bartending school and there was, uh, this little Irish, um, dive bar, um, around the corner for where I lived. So I actually went, um, and asked for, um, a part-time job as a bar back there. Cause I figured, you know, like what we were talking, um, you know, you go to school, you get a degree, then you go out into the world and you have no idea how to do that. Right. So I was, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to do this, uh, with the bartending school, but I want to see it firsthand. So that same day that I started, it was for a month. It was four Sundays at a month for the school, uh, all day thing, like eight hours. Um, so after, I left the school that day, that Sunday, I actually went into the bar and asked for the bar back job. Mm. And they hired me on the spot pretty much. Cool. So I did the bartending school and the bar backing, you know, hands back to back. Um, and that's where, this is where the funny story comes in. So they tell me, um, you know, the owner t- tells me, you're going to be working uh, two nights, Friday, Saturdays. Uh, next Friday is going to be your first shift. Um, so, you know, Thursday night, right before my first shift, I decided to come in and introduce myself to whoever the bartenders were. Um, so I came in, I sat at the bar, uh, you know, I told him, Hey, my name's Steve and I'm going to be, uh, your bar back tomorrow. And then, um, <laughs> the, the, this bartender, she comes up and she's like, Oh, and where else have you worked? I'm like, no, I've never worked at the bar, but I'm actually going to bartending school. She just looked at me and raised her eyebrow. And she's like, looked around and then went like, don't ever say that again. <laughs> I'm like, what? Wait, he's like, yeah, don't, don't, don't worry. It's between us. Don't say it out loud again. So, you know, I started, I felt like weird because I had no idea, but then I started cracking up and then she, you know, we became great friends after that. She was, she was really cool. Yeah. Um, people that come from bartending schools, uh, bartenders that have worked this scene for a while, they don't really like kids from bartending schools because they have a chip on their shoulder They come in. I know drinks. I know that. And most of the time they don't know anything about customer service. They, but they know right. the technical aspect of it and then they can get completely steamrolled by the first Karen that comes up to their bar. Uh, right. I really should stop using that term, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep using it while it's still relevant. But, um, but uh, you know, they, these kids come in from bartending schools and have this chip on their shoulder. I got that look myself because I actually went to bartending school too. And Good. there were a couple times, there was one bar that the bartending school actually sent me to, to for mm-hmm. an interview. And during the interview, they said, you know, I think we're looking for somebody with more experience. And then I looked at him in the eye and I said, then why the hell did you call the bartending Academy? And right. I was, thank you for exactly. wasting my time. You know? <laughs> right. But you got, it uh, sounds like you got lucky uh, to get to the bar back experience because that is a huge amount of experience. That can be a bartending lesson in itself, being a bar right. back. Right. And, and even though you're mostly bringing, it, bringing up beer from the back or, uh, you know, running dishes, whatever. But uh, right. you learn a lot doing that. And as long as you're paying attention to the bartender, you're learning a lot of drinks. Is that how you pretty much did it? Because... When I left bartending bartending school, they taught me maybe a hundred drinks. I remembered maybe ten of them on my way out. And is, is that how you learned most of your drinks? Is when you were uh, bar back? Correct. Yeah. No. So so same same thing here. Uh, you know, they do the whole. Uh, we're gonna teach you a hundred uh, recipes. Then we're gonna make. Uh, you know the. Set. So I don't know how your bartending school, but mine was actually the way they advertised it is. Uh, it was the only bartending school in San Francisco, they were actually behind a bar learning. It wasn't like in a uh, classroom. Um, so the test was, you know, behind the bar and actually making the cocktails and you had like a span of time and you had to make the most drinks. And then, you know, these people were ordering with colored um, water and <laughs> right. Exactly. The whole, you know, the whole thing. Um, so like you said, at the end of the, 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 the chorus, like, I probably knew the same amount of drinks you knew like then. Mm. Uh, but it really helped that I was um, going to the school, but then, you know, bar backing at the same time. So I was like looking at her, always asking her. Uh, she would always call me, oh, they asked for this drink, come see it. Um, 
so I, you know, she would actually make me stop doing whatever I was doing, uh, in order for me to come and see, you know, whatever drink she was about to make. Oh, that's an awesome coworker that, uh, she actually took you under her wing and did that for you. Yeah, no, she, she, like I said, she was awesome. So we, you know, after I told her, uh, I'm going to bartending school, she said, don't say that no more. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, when I, uh, when I mentioned to my coworker that I went to bartending school, she kind of turned up her nose, but then I mentioned who my teacher was and it happened to be a friend of hers that she, that she knew from bartending years prior. And she, she's like, okay, you're fine then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, the one thing they can't teach you at bartending school, truthfully, in real format, is uh, customer service. I well, right. I've I have had guests that do run uh, bartending schools on the east side of the United States, and they say mm-hmm. that they uh, when they're doing their poor tests, they do mm-hmm. customer service. They yell at the people, say, uh, "Make this drink, make that drink." I ordered this, but not that, and uh, really try to mess with the. Uh, students, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now available at Country Wine and Spirits, El Silencio Mezcal Espadín is a mixing mezcal that tastes sweet and is very soothing to the palate. El Silencio Mezcal is double distilled and mastered with expertise in Oaxaca, Mexico. El Silencio is perfect for mixed cocktails right now for all you mezcal lovers it is on special at cwspirits.com for 15 percent off and don't forget if you use coupon code hey bartender five at checkout you get an extra five percent off your entire order go to cwspirits.com now and remember to use coupon code hey bartender five hey bartender uh, I'm still friends with people that uh, uh, gave me a hand through the service industry. And right. uh, like I said, I, they didn't really teach, even though my teacher really wanted to teach customer service. Uh, mm-hmm. It was not, it was hard for her to do in a classroom situation. But when I actually got out into the field and started bartending behind a bar after my, uh, I, cause I was a banquet bartender first, but then mm-hmm. after okay. that, when I got into an actual bar type situation, uh, mm-hmm. my coworker, she took me under her wing and, uh, and she's the people would constantly say that bartender's awful quiet, isn't he? And she's like, Oh no, he's fine. He's probably joking with you and you don't even know it. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> she, she helped the customers get to know me and helped me get to know the customers. And she and I have been friends ever since. So when did you get your first taste, uh, as being bartender, full bartender? Oh, I'm going to be honest. I got, I really got lucky because, um, I was still working at the same uh, place that I was telling you um, at the beginning, Café La Tasa. And uh, back then, they did not have a liquor license. Mm. Um, so, you know, I started pushing them, hey, you should get a liquor license, you should get a li- uh, liquor license. Um, and they ended up, you know, doing this, a few business deals aside from uh, the, 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 the restaurant. So they came across um, some cash to invest. Now, the thing I'm mentioning the cash to invest is because, uh, San Francisco County does not issue any more uh, liquor licenses mm. to any restaurants or bars. Uh, you know, San Francisco is such a small city. It's only 49 square miles. And there's so many restaurants and bars in the city that, you know, the, the, the ABC, you know, the, the alcohol and beverage control, they said, we are not issuing any more, uh, hard liquor licenses. So they give out, you know, the regular beer and wine. So what that did was the liquor licenses became pretty much like property. So in San Francisco, in order for you to get a liquor license, you got to go through brokers and get it from somebody that's selling their business or closing down your business, their businesses. And you have to buy it from them. Yeah. I, I heard about that. So, so you can imagine how the price just skyrocketed. So, from last thing that I knew, it was one thing, depending on the location of your business, and two, the type of liquor license that you wanted. So if you wanted just a liquor license for just a regular bar and no food, that's nearly impossible to get. And, you know, your other option is to have food, uh, your restaurants, in order for you to get that liquor license. And that liquor license costs $250,000. Right. 
and your yeah. your sales food versus liquor has to be a certain amount, uh, a certain percentage of each other, right? Uh, cor- correct. Yes. Yeah. The, the the food and the yes, they they have to be linked. You know, eventually throughout the night, you can probably you know close the kitchen and just keep the bar open, and that's you know no issue. It's not like you know as long as you reach that percentage that you were mentioning, correct? Right. So you know they decided eventually they said okay we're gonna get the liquor license. They did. They did a small remodeling because they didn't have much space, and they gave me the chance to actually set up the whole bar. Ah. Um. So I was I was pretty much lucky on that. So I went from being a bar back there to actually setting up this bar, and I've always been a guy that you know I search and I research and I read a lot and. And, um, so, and from the little, you know, experience I had as a bar back in the bartending school, I came and I did the, um, I set up that bar and I came out with the drink menu and everything. Uh, well, that's a lot them. of, that's a lot of work and that's, uh, that's something to be proud of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I am. I, I really am. Did you throw them for a loop and bring in some liquors that are spirits that you, they were un- completely unaware of that you said this will sell? You know, not at the beginning, not at the beginning, actually. Um, cause you know, I didn't have much experience either. The clientele at the, at the, at the restaurant, you know, they were not used to this place having a full liquor license either. Uh, so a lot of people at the beginning were not coming in for, for like actual drinks. So what I did was, and since, like I mentioned, I was at this place, it was back in the mission district where they set up, uh, the liquor, and the bar. So, you know, it's a big Latino community. Uh, so I decided, you know what, we're going to do different kinds of margaritas. Mm. Um, and I, you know, we came across this really good. So we decided, um, so instead of using, you know, buying, um, for example, the lime juice, we were fresh squeezing every lime on every margarita instead of buying, uh, agave as a, as a sweetener, or buying uh, sweet and sour, we decided to make our own sweet and sour recipe in-house. So a lot of the margaritas that I was, you know, making, it was like pretty much made from scratch in-house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the syrups, the, the juices, they were all fresh squeezed. So it started to pick up a lot. So I did, uh, like, you know, obviously different kinds, but I was not going for like the regular either margaritas, doing like, you know, your strawberry or mango margarita. Um, I decided to use different. Um, so I had this one that it was very popular actually, uh, with blood orange. Um, and I was doing like a little float of Chambord on top too. Um, yeah. Um, I bet that looked amazing and probably tasted really good. Yeah, it it was, it it was, yeah, it was really, really good. Now I got to make the usual bartender joke though, starting out with your specialties being margaritas uh, yeah. you're kind of forcing yourself to use the blender and clean the blender and use the blender and clean the blender, aren't you? I never used the blender. It was oh. all on the rocks. Ah, smart man. <laughs> Very smart man. All on the rocks. Yep. <laughs> and it was so funny because keep in mind, like I said, this place went from being a coffee shop, um, to being a, you know, uh, to having sandwiches and bagels to go to having a full, you know, restaurant you know, full menu, uh, to now owning a bar. So they were doing frappuccinos on the other side and people would be like, Oh, can I get a frozen margarita? I'm like, Nope. <laughs> and they were like, uh, I don't have a blender. Yeah. <laughs> and they would be like, uh, they can see the other blender. I'm like, you know, they have a lot of like coffee and milk in there. It's not, you know, it's going to ruin your margarita. Uh, trust <laughs> me. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I managed, I managed that one really well. Yeah, good, <laughs> smart man. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know, every bartender, oh, no, sorry, blender's broken, hasn't worked in weeks. Sorry, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, but having a bar in a uh, right next to a coffee shop, you can uh, uh, get drunk and get sober all, uh, and start all over again. All at once. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, and it, it trust me. No, it went. It was. It was so great because you know we started to get a lot of people coming in. Um, a lot of people loving the margarita, especially like the regular margarita. Um, 
And the other thing that we were doing is we were doing 14 ounces mimosas, uh, which oh. pretty much took like literally almost a full bottle of, of uh, sparkling wine towards just a splash of color for the orange juice. Mm. Um, so, you know, it started becoming really popular and eventually, you know, it became like a really good bar and, and we used to have um, live music like every other Saturday. What kind of music did you bring? Really, in? really good. Uh, we used to have um, Latin jazz, jazz, uh, sometimes salsa. Uh, so it, it would vary. Um, it was uh, this one guy that, you know, he was a, a regular customer of ours. So uh, we literally trusted him as to what kind of music he was going to bring. Um, so it was always him bringing some other people. Yeah. You know. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So you've uh, you've started a new bar and you've set it up yourself. This so you can actually say this is Stevens Bar, and right, uh, uh, you can something you can look at the menu, something really to be proud of. So this bar that you've created, do you take ownership of it? I mean, you uh, do you look at uh, stand back, look at it, and say this is Stevens Bar? Uh, you know, there there's an owner, there's a guy that gives me a paycheck, but this is mine. Completely. No, and it, it was so funny because, um, you know, I met my wife, my current wife, actually working at the same place. Ah. And, you know, I would be so, how can I say this? I was, like, I was so on top of the bar that I would see sometimes, you know, one of the other coworkers would come and leave one knife, one dirty knife or one dirty spoon, you know, on top of the counter. And I would be, you know, who did this? You know, so a few times I had to tell to my, you know, at the time she was my girlfriend, but I was still like, I was still safe, but then I was scared of her at the same time. So, yeah, but it was definitely, yeah, no, I was definitely proud of the bar. (laughs) Now, you're still relatively new uh, being a bartender at this point in your life. Uh, Were there any hard lessons that came up there? I mean, uh, like over serving or, you know, just out of control customers or, Customers that were just acting way too goofy to be in a public area. Uh, did you have to learn anything from any of that? I, I did. Yes. I, I, you know, I, you always come across those type of situations and uh, you really need to learn how to deal with it, you know, but at the same time, working at a, going back to the bar backing, um, keep in mind, there was a, this, this was an Irish pub. Mm. Um, a lot of, Irish people coming in as friends drinking and fighting at the end of the day and leaving. And they're still friends. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. No, that was a funny thing. They would come back the next day laughing, each one with a black eye, (laughs) laughing at the fact that they fought the right the night before. Um, So, you know, it was, um, we didn't have a a bouncer either. Mm. Um, So I would have to come out and kick them out. Um, So for me, that did give me the, the, the experience to keep an eye out on people like, you know, their behaviors, the way they were acting. Okay. Maybe this guy, and I was a bar back. So I would just, you know, pour a glass of water and put it in front of them. Um, so when I, you know, moved out of that and then I started doing this other one, you know, I would get the same, same situations at the bar. And I had a few times where, where people would get a little obnoxious and, and a little, um, you know, drunk, Mm. Um, and having to deal with the, you know, try to talk them down and, you know, having to tell them, Hey, listen, um, you know, you're going to have to drink this glass of water. You know, you you drank a little too much, man, you know, trying to at the same time, trying to talk to them so they can understand that they, you know, they drank too much and they can't keep on going. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't take it well. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, you know, having, I had to, deal with some of them like even trying to throw punches on me and um stuff like that but i you know at the end of the day uh if you love what you do yeah it's just you know that customer will come the next day and say hey listen man i apologize and i would be like hey man here's a beer yeah you know or here's or whatever drink so. well the, there were times where i had a, you know my customer was a friend when they first came in they, then they got into a bar fight or uh started attacking me but mm-hmm. the I had strict rules. Like now, this was uh, when I was living in Oregon. I had strict mm-hmm. rules. You get in any kind of fight whatsoever, you're automatically eighty six. Uh, and right. s- sometimes it it depended on uh, what kind of customer you were. Whether we say you're eighty six for a month or eighty six for life. And right. 
uh, uh, was that, did you run through that same case? I did. I did. I, I didn't do a lot because, you know, we were trying to, you know, it was, it was like a different kind of vibe. You know, it was, it was more of a restaurant. You're sitting at the, at the bar at this restaurant. Uh, so they were not trying to get a lot of, you know, physical, uh, with you not like, I can't recall like an actual fight happening at this uh, particular place at least. Um, but I did have, you know, a few times where they would like even, you know, throw like actual threats at me. Mm. So, you know, for me, that was it. You know, that's when I would be like, oh, you know, you're 86, man. Like you're not coming in. And, um, you know, they would still try to come in as, um, uh, to buy the coffee the next morning. And, you know, I didn't have a problem with it, but if it was like a serious situation, you know, the, 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 the owner would have my back completely to where, uh, saying this guy cannot come in here no more. That's like, the way I it wouldn't even be. sell him a coffee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that yeah. no matter what decision you make, the, uh, the owner would side with you. Uh, cause right. one guy that I 86 for fighting in the bar, my server had, she had huge problem with that. Cause he was a long time customer. She liked him and all, all that stuff. She said, you can't 86 him. It's not his fault. And I said, I don't care. He threw a punch. He was in the fight. He's out. And mm-hmm. she went running to, uh, well, she threatened me that she was going to run to the boss the next morning. And I said, you go right mm-hmm. ahead. See if I care. And the yeah. boss sided with me and he goes, yeah, you did the right thing. I, uh, I have no problem with what you did. You handled it right. And I was like, yeah. that's the way it should be. But Correct. Yeah. yeah uh, I agree. In situations though, uh, like that one fight that I was just telling you about, I mean, I got, uh, I got picked on every once in a while. The uh, first time somebody asked me if I wanted to, well, longtime fans of the show already know. Uh, first time somebody asked me if I wanted to step outside, I looked at him in the eye and I said, no, thanks. I don't need a blowjob right now. And... Uh, he uh, he was frozen. He had no idea how to respond to that. But, right, right. But uh, there was one time where I had to throw somebody out and also call the cops, get the cops involved. And they uh, sent me a summons to show up at his hearing because it wasn't the first time he got hit with drunk in public. And I decided to blow it off, uh, according to the lawyer that uh, that came into my bar. And he goes, you can show up or you don't have to. That's your dis- your choice. Yeah. Um, now, has that happened to you? You know, I, I did have one situation where this guy came in. Um, he got drunk, and then one of our regulars came in, sat down. And I don't really know what happened in between them, but it got to a point where the regular the regular was so... Uh, but I guess he got... This other guy got so much into this guy's nerves that he just got up, punched him once, sat back down and grabbed his drink drink and, you know, stopped. Uh, then this guy, obviously, when, you know, with the regular threw the first, you know, the punch, I saw it, I came out, you know, everybody, you know, got involved. They, uh, um, you know, split them up and everything. We didn't know that this guy, because I saw him with a, with, a, with a girl, we didn't know that right before the punch, one of his friends walked in, and then he saw the punch, he saw his friends get, you know, his friend get punched, and then he came. Now, remember Amanda that I mentioned? Mm. She had come out, um, and she almost got hit by the, his friend. Uh-huh. He tried to punch the regular, but Amanda was in the way. So that's what all hell broke loose. Uh, all of them got kicked out. And then outside, the whole you know fight and the whole thing broke out. So we had to call the cops. But by the time the cops arrived, everybody like ran away. Uh, nobody knew the actual, you know, the guy, he was, it was the first time he ever came in. Um, so, you know, we even told the regular is like, Hey, listen, man, just, just go. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, so no hearing, no, none of that. But yeah, I, I, that's the only time that I can recall, you know, calling the cops and something. You know, I got, I got a, just right now had a brilliant idea. What if in, yeah. in the parking lot, in the bar, you install blue and red lights. And when people start fighting fighting it out in the parking lot, you flip a switch, the blue and red lights come on. I bet you everybody will scatter. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely everybody will leave. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Copyright Hey Bartender Podcast. Don't use that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
But, uh, yeah, things like that are tough to handle, but uh, you have some regular customers, I'm sure, like I used to, that are very faithful to you. Like I, uh, my Harley-Davidson riders, they're the easiest people to make make friends with. And all I had to do was say something nice about their motorcycle, and all of a sudden I'm good friends with them. But, right. um, you know, I'm pretty sure on the night where a kid got a little ornery and decided to uh, slap me in the face Will Smith style, he uh, uh, all I had to do was turn around and go, Pat, kill. And he would have done it. He was just, yeah, yeah, exactly. he was sitting there like a bulldog, just give me the order, give me the order. And yeah, 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 yeah. But you, you, I'm sure you have uh, pretty loyal customers like that, right? Yes. No. So, you know, after the, the whole pandemic and everything shutting down, like I said, you know, I went into security and then I was so eager to come back that I um, had this friend that was working that works at this uh, luxury hotel in San Francisco. So that's how it came back into the industry. And now, you know, I was doing that. And then I got a call from my previous boss at at this bar that I set up for him saying, I'm setting up a new bar. Um, You know, I I want you to come work with me. Um, And so I told him I'll take a part-time. So he just opened up a few months ago, um, this new bar, same thing in the mission district called, uh, bar TZA. Um, so we've been having like small little events here and there. Um, and this past Friday, um, we're having this birthday party of somebody that's friends of the owner's brother. And then a lot of the regulars came in that knew him and it was more than half the bar. It's people I know. Now this guy comes in with this two other uh, girls that they are actually, regulars at his other place so they came for the first time to check it out they brought this guy you could tell that the guy was already a little you know happy he wasn't drunk but he already came in with a few drinks he ordered uh literally two old fashions from me before you know getting a little overly excited <laughs> so and, and after becoming that overly excited he was almost sleeping at the bar so i did the same old you know here's your glass of water man here's a glass of water man so eventually he asked for another drink. He was, you know, he had sobered up because he had been like more than an hour from the, you know, of him just like just pounding glasses of water. Then I was like, I'm going to make him another one. Now we didn't have any, you know, we have two wells and the wells were running really low on ice. So I ran to the back, grabbed the ice, poured it on one. He saw me. I walked in front of him, went to the other one. I poured the ice, make his drink. When I'm coming back, he's rolling up his sleeves at me. Uh, he's like, so what's up? You want to fight? So I'm like, I looked at him and I'm with like literally with a drink like this in front of him and I'm about to put it in front. And then he saw the drink and he like tried to pretend that it was a joke. And I'm like, yeah, no, you screwed up, man. Like, I'm sorry, but you're out of here. <laughs> um, and then, you know, obviously he got, you know, aggressive now. Then the girls, you know, grabbed them. One of them took him outside. The other one, he was like, Steven, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. Just give me the, uh, you know, the check. Uh, they paid and everything, but you know, going back to the loyal uh, regulars, you know, as soon as he rolled up his sleeves, you could tell everybody was just staring at the guy, <laughs> right? You know, he got, you know, pulled aside by one of the girls. You know, they took him outside. The other one paid the bill. She apologized like a million times, and she was even saying, uh, "Don't take it out on us." I was like, "I would never do that." Uh. You know, it's not her fault that this guy got like that, right? Um. So she leaves. I see him walk away, and then I turn around and I start walking, giving my back to the door. When all of a sudden, I just feel like something hit my back. All right, mm. so I turn around. The guy from the door had thrown a, a can at me and <laughs> hit me in the back. And then that's when you know a few of the regulars like you know got up, and I was like, I even signaled at the guy, you know, making a joke that I'm like, oh, like you threw the can. Like, I'm going to go outside now. And the dude just looked at me and, like, you know, walked as fast as he could out of there. Because then he thought, you know, everybody. So, yeah, yeah. That's always fun to have regulars having your back. Oh, God, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Is there any situations in your bar that you think about and it always brings a smile to your face no matter what? Uh, Like like what? Like like something good that happened, a good customer or kick-ass tip or uh, a good night that if you – if it pops into your head or you need a good thought in your head, you it, that will come up. Oh, yeah, no, like, absolutely. Like, I, 
you know, I try to enjoy it as much as I can while I'm behind the bar. Um, and it's always fun um, when I have, you know, like the people that I know around me, you know, and I uh, have a lot of people that are actually, uh, that have, you know, find, you know, found out that I'm at this bar now too. And people that haven't seen in, in years, they are starting to come back. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I always, you know, think about, you yeah. know, the people that are, because before I thought, you know, yeah, they come here, but they're coming for, for, you know, X, Y, and Z mm. and the menu. Right. And now I'm starting to find out that, you know, they found out that I'm here. They, you know, they're coming back and they're saying, Oh, we're back because you're here. Yeah. That's gotta make, you know, so I, always, so I always think on that. Yeah. yeah. It's not just for the, uh, $2 margaritas. It's because you're there that, that's awesome. Correct. That gives you a good feeling. Awesome. Correct. Well, we're, uh, we're coming up towards last call, Stephen. Uh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to being on Hey Bartender Podcast. It was great talking with you. Uh, this hour just completely flew by. Um, it did. Uh, do you want to take a minute and tell people how to uh, get a hold of you on social media or check out your stuff? Of course, of course. So, uh, like I said, I'm working at two places right now. Um one is a part-time, which is Bar TZA. Uh, it is located on 21st and uh, 21st Street and Mission Street in San Francisco. Um, that one is more like a, a, a sports bar, four TVs. We're always showing the games. Um, and we have a full craft cocktail uh, menu. Um, we're still, you know, a new bar, so we are working on, on um, creating different recipes. And we have some things in mind that I'm not going to say yet that we're going to do. Uh, which are going to be pretty cool. So come check me out at that bar. And then um, I also work at the other hotel that I mentioned. It's called the Proper Hotel in San Francisco. And I work their fine dining uh, restaurant called Villain. This one is actually pretty cool because they have a 49 cocktail mint inspired by the 49 square miles of San Francisco. Mm. And um, this cocktail menu is created by Josh Harris, which is uh, um, uh, owner of the bar, uh, who's, you know, been in 50 best bars in America, I think like three years in a row, it's called trick dog. So, um, Josh has created, uh, the, the, the cocktail menu. So it's honestly an honor, you know, working in and working his recipe. So I'm learning a lot from them. And then, uh, if you want to get a hold of me on social media, um, you can follow me on Instagram at Steven, the bartender at Steven, the bartender. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, check right. out uh, everybody. Check out his uh, presentation and all the drinks that he pours. They got some great pictures on there. But uh, like I said, Stephen, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, if you want to come back, all you have to do is let me know. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you for having me, and I'll definitely come back. And that's it, people. That is last call. Last call for alcohol. Get one more, but finish it quick. I want to go home. Okay. So thank you so much to Stephen Page for being on Hey Bartender podcast. Remember to go visit his Instagram feed and take a look at some of the drinks that he has because he has marvelous presentation, and I'm sure the drinks are great too if you happen to be in the area where he works. Go check him out on Instagram at Steve the Bartender. Remember to share, like, and subscribe to Hey Bartender Podcast, and remember to visit www.heybartenderpodcast.com. You can listen to the latest episodes there. You can check out some of the Hey Bartender podcast swag I got on sale in there. We got some Hey Bartender podcast t-shirts, challenge coins. Go check it out. And don't forget, you can leave a message on anchor.fm. Just look for Hey Bartender podcast. And when you get to my site on anchor.fm, you can push a button that says message and you can leave a voicemail message for me, the dude. Uh, uh, And you never know. It might get played on in a future episode. Any questions, statements, I'll take it. Big thanks, as usual, Laura Hope and the Arctones for letting me use their single Dr. Bartender. Remember, you guys can go check them out on any of the streaming services. They've got a lot of great stuff out there. But I'm a sucker for Rockabilly, and they do it up just right. I encourage anybody who works in the service industry, whether you're a bartender, server, flight attendant, whatever, if you want to be on Hey Bartender Podcast, all you have to do is drop me a line. Either send me an email, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com, or drop me an instant message or a DM, whatever the hell they're calling it, on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. 
All of those are at Hey Bartender Podcast. Remember to follow while you're there. And finally, as usual, people, that's the end of Hey Bartender Podcast for this week. New episodes on Saturdays around 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Until the next episode, I wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And let's say this all together, people. Don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's let's go? I just got...